Good morning, everyone. I'm Reverend Kim Wildcheski, which means um, simply I had the immense joy of serving as Hannah's internship supervisor just last church year. We miss her terribly at Washington Crossing and are still reaping the gifts of her ministry. Just a few weeks ago, during the sharing of our joys and sorrows, someone stood to share their grief, to speak about when they discovered their loss and concluded in front of the 200 gathered by saying, I wished Hannah was here, which I confess to saying myself on a weekly basis. I say it just as I did this past week during a morning with potential new members exploring our path to membership. Hannah, you would have loved it. Of course, it is always the pride, the joy of any minister to watch people grow in connection to the faith we love and the faith we serve. With every new body, new personality, new or expected question in discovering this tradition of ours, the circle widens. And for a moment, we religious professionals at least can ignore the Pew research, the data of decline, the rise of the nuns, the unchurched, not habits. But I say you, Hannah, would have loved it in particular because of the 20 or so who were in attendance just two Saturdays ago for this path to membership. The large majority of those folks were 40 years old or younger. They were our peers, our people. Someone actually excitedly said, this whole religion is like a restorative justice circle for my soul. They spoke our language. When the gathering ended, I stood, as I always do, curiously and hopefully by the membership book, wondering who might sign after this morning together. And this is always the moment of joy, always the moment of hoped-for connection. But this time, this time, I have to tell you, unlike all other times, I held that post self-consciously. I don't believe in this, I thought, and stood there rather shocked with each signature that made its mark. Now, to be clear, I don't mean Unitarian Universalism. There are a few things I have said yes to over and over and over again in my life, and this faith is one of them. I mean, I'm not so sure I believe in membership. Books and signatures in locked drawers that magic the promise of belonging or ownership, a signal of who's committed enough and who's not. We're not a club. And I, not unlike many in my, our peer group, would never seek to be a part of one. But still, somehow, every three months or so, I stand joyfully celebrating new members of this community I serve. And look, I get it. I can hear some of my folks right here in this sanctuary arguing with me. The need for any organization to set a standard of participation. I wouldn't get paid if we didn't. The heat wouldn't be on. You know the pitch, and this isn't a stewardship sermon. It's just all to say... 
It's just all to say that I come here today to preach on and celebrate one of, if not the most formal markers of distinction in our tradition. Ordination into the ministry, by definition, a setting apart. We heard Liz use those exact words. And I'm kind of ambivalent about the whole thing. May the gods of Concord not smite me before I say my amen. <clears throat> Hannah, I want you to hear very clearly from me that you deserve pomp and circumstance. You've worked diligently, heartfully, and hard to get to this moment of acknowledgement and affirmation. And I say personally that that procession of religious professionals grew in meaning and joy for me because you walked to that song, growing the lineage and bounty of those who have served our tradition. But if what happens here today does not translate, does not speak some shared language with our people, Not just our people who share our guiding principles, but our people who we are moving through non-religious spaces with. Our people who are rejecting traditionally religious spaces and rewriting ritual and rethinking what community looks like and reading Harry Potter as a sacred text. May it be so. If what we do here today does not take into account the whole wide world, that mostly does not look like this gorgeous place in which we meet, then we will, as Emerson once warned against, cherish the form over the substance, the tradition, while the world begs to be nurtured in recreation. Now, for family or friends who are here to support and celebrate Hannah, but who aren't Unitarian Universalists, who are being introduced to it today, or who have cautiously asked questions around the holiday dinner table, let me offer that, of course, there is more to who we are and what we ask of our people than signing a membership book. It is not, as you may have heard, a religion that requires nothing or allows a belief in anything Ours is a faith that is about reciprocity in the face of a transactional culture. It is about restoration. We don't believe in hell, or at least not in eternal damnation, so where we have been wounded or wounding, we can't offer atonement, but we can own the challenging spiritual discipline of being human together and the effects of that endeavor, the work of forgiveness The work when forgiveness will not be given. On our best days, our faith is about wonder and humility. We do not, cannot know the answers and are called to a curiosity that also elicits awe for the unknown. And it is, as a colleague of mine says, not about being right, but about being in right relationship with yourself, with your people your family, your congregation, the whole living world, and being right with your God or the ground of being as you understand it. 
Which means, if you didn't hear this already, Unitarian Universalism is a faith rooted in relationship. Trying desperately to minister to a world that profits from creating sides and equates individualism with power and specialness. And so again, anytime we make a distinction among us, we Unitarian Universalists, anytime we mimic and give to the world as it is out there, creating separation for whatever purpose, there is a risk. Years ago, a colleague shared with me how she met with a congregant whose mother would be coming to church on Sunday. My colleague had heard stories of this mother before and was surprised that she was willing to enter their sanctuary or any sanctuary other than her own. What was the shift, my colleague asked the congregant, to which she said, I want you to meet the people who will be with me when I die. So do you hear the tension that I bring with me today? Membership is not going to be the balm for the world. Setting apart is not going to save us. And yet, we each long to be within some circle that will hold us. We want to know who will be with us when we die. So herein lies the rub. I should actually first say, I don't really know the answer to any of this. But what I believe today is that if we are really going to do religion in a way that both speaks to a divided and divisive world and offers comfort along the already tumultuous journey of being human with other humans, then any distinction we make must be in radical defiance to all else that is. Which means what I think I already saw But I think my own people are teaching me, the ones who are signing the book in an age where people don't sign books and don't believe in institutions and are suspicious about leadership and clergy to boot. Those signatures next to our covenant, that signing of the membership book cannot be a conclusive moment, but instead a mark of accountability. It makes, no matter if you've been in that circle for 20 years or 20 days, it is not about ownership. It is about saying yes to growing the circle wide, wide beyond you or me, as a statement of faith. And if that feels too risky for some among us, if that feels like you will lose too much, then we must ask for what purpose do we gather and what is it that we are worshiping? And this means what I've seen Hannah do time and time again, that the authority given to clergy must be used to subvert the authority that is given. It must be used to center the voices that have been dismissed or denied. The elevation of the ministry must be used to cultivate the elevation of the oppressed And elevating a spirit, too, within each of us that has been suppressed. These are soft circles with an immovable charge. Soft lines of distinction that can be used to braid us together like tether, like rope. One last 
Emerson mentioned because I am in Concord after all. And it's one of my favorite stories to tell to folks discovering Unitarian Universalism. When Emerson held, I believe it was his last pulpit, and the story goes, as he was flirting with transcendentalism, he began preaching further from the Unitarian Christian message and instead passionately, excitedly inviting his congregants to consider the sources of divinity around and among them. You don't need this book, he would profess, holding up his Bible You don't need this space, he'd say, looking around the gorgeous sanctuary. You don't need me. Go out, he told them. Go out and find the holy in the unexpected places in which the world speaks. Do you all know what happens? To Emerson's dismay, his people heard his message loud and clear, and the next Sunday morning, more arrived to hear it again. And more still, the Sunday after, so hungry to have a church of faith that released them from the vice of the rest of the world. If Unitarian Universalism, our faith, that we charge Hannah to serve today, if it is to translate for the world that so needs her ministry and our good news, then the division we create must prove to be purposeful. It must serve to connect. We must be willing to let go of the old form for the new substance. And Hannah, I believe you will be one who makes that so. Amen.